Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, January 5th, and we start with local news. The county is mourning the loss of recently retired Murray County Commissioner Wayne Patterson, 73, who died at his residence in Hampshire on December 30th. Oaks and Nichols conducted services for the former commissioner on Wednesday, after which Mr. Patterson was interred at Polk Memorial Gardens. Patterson's sister, Brenda Patterson, also a Columbia resident, shared her memories of her brother as she knew him. He was a wonderful brother who loved people and loved his community, Brenda said. He always worked to invest in Murray County and make it a better place to live. Sharing that her brother made an impression on those who knew him, she said that the term servant leader comes to mind and has been echoed by many who say his giving nature represented his community of Hampshire well. Wayne followed in his dad's footsteps and lived as a truly impactful person, Brenda said. Current Murray County Commission Chairman Eric Previtti shared his thoughts along with the announcement on social media with his obituary. I found him to be a good and honorable man, Previtti said, adding that he served with Patterson from 2018 until 2022. All of us that serve on current and past commissions are sad at the loss of one of our own, Previtti said. Wayne was a good person. Former County Commission Chairman Don Morrow also shared his honor to serve with the commissioner. He was the kind of commissioner that once he told you something, it was just that way for him, Morrow said. He never did any kind of backpedaling and would always tell you what he thought. Morrow also said Patterson was always faithful about attending meetings in person. Wayne Patterson was born to Arch and Joyce Patterson on July 29, 1949, who both preceded him in death. Having served his nation in the Navy during the Vietnam War, he brought further service back to his home in Murray County, where his District 7 roles as constable and commissioner added to his occupation as a retired utility inspector for the city of Spring Hill. One of Patterson's more standout moments in the county commission was being one of only two commissioners to vote in opposition to the county's 22-23 budget that sealed the certainty of a 31-cent property tax increase. Other pursuits included his membership in post-19 American Legion and serving as former president of the Tennessee Cattlemen's Association. Patterson was also described in his obituary as a faithful servant of God who played an active role in his church board, helping with operations at Columbia First Church of the Nazarene. The church posted a message on their social media page stating that the loss of Patterson was the loss of a dear friend. He loved and served his church and family with a generous spirit, the Post stated. He is survived by his daughter, Whitney Patterson, his sister Brenda, along with brothers Michael and Steve, and a number of nieces and nephews. The family is asking for donations to be made in lieu of flowers to the Gideons International or First Church of Nazarene, which is collecting donations as well. Friends and loved ones can leave their messages of sympathy for the family to see at oaksandnichols.com. Southwest Airlines' holiday meltdown affected hundreds of thousands of travelers around the country, including families across Murray County. Almost 16,000 flights were canceled following extreme winter weather and a crash in software, which began right after Christmas weekend. In addition to a disruption in flights, bags were also left stranded and lost. Columbia resident Dan Lombardi experienced the disaster firsthand. Lombardi's 14-year-old daughter was scheduled to fly home for Christmas Eve after spending time with family in Connecticut the week before. 
However, her flight was canceled five minutes before departure time. Lombardi ended up driving nearly 2,000 miles round trip to pick her up, braving the dangerous weather conditions. I was worried about the snow and ice in Knoxville, Lombardi said. If it continued, we probably would not have made it home, he said. Art Davis, owner of Concierge Ride TN, which operates out of Spring Hill, said he's had several customers dropped off at Southwest Terminals only to sit at the airport for hours. People are checking their bags in and finding out that their flight has been canceled, he said. Once their flight is canceled, they're being told their luggage is taken off with the airplane, Davis added. Despite the ordeal, Lombardi said the end result made the trip well worth it. Hearing my daughter thank me for bringing her home made it all worth it, he said. In a statement, the airline said normal operations are, have, have now resumed. We're encouraged by the progress we've made to realign crew, their schedules, and our fleet. Southwest statement read, we, knew even, we know even our deepest apologies to our customers, to our employees, and to all affected through this disruption only go so far, they commented. The airline announced they have set up a page for customers to request refund and reimbursements for meals, hotel, and other means of transportation, in addition to connect customers to their baggage. The page can be accessed at www.southwest.com forward slash travel disruption. Last year, local newspaper Main Street Murray spoke with local government officials to identify the biggest questions ahead in 2022, and now we can take a look back and see if and how those questions were answered. In Columbia, Mayor Chaz Mulder was focused on how to prepare for the city's exponential growth, as well as paving projects in different areas of the city. One year later, Mayor Mulder said he feels confident that he and city staff have done a good job of setting the foundation for future infrastructure projects, but is glad to see somewhat of a slowdown in growth as well. We've managed through the exponential growth and we're seeing a slowdown with some of the already approved projects not moving as quickly, Mulder said. We're also able to see more select, be more selective and be more critical of future projects, he said. For paving projects, Mulder pointed to the Arts District repaving as well as some of the East 8th Street projects. While much needed attention was provided to streets that were in bad shape, but we have some that are still in need of attention, he said. I still think it was mission accomplished with regards to paving, though since we passed the largest though since we have passed the largest paving budget in the city's history, he said. For 2023, Mulder said the city is focusing on improving the extended areas of the downtown footprint, such as the Arts District and East 8th Street, but Mulder is hoping to continue laying the foundation for continued growth as well by advocating at the state level for the widening of Bear Creek Pike to four lanes from Nashville Highway to Interstate 65. Having Bear Creek Pike four lanes to the interstate is a long-term project that we have to get approved and budgeted now in order to get the next steps, he said. It's probably eight years out once it's approved, but we can't start that clock until then, he said. In Spring Hill, traffic and roads are always the biggest concern, but the city's leaders have certainly made great strides in the past year to alleviate many issues. With the June Lake Interchange set to open in 2023, the city is now looking at the Buckner Lane widening project and began work on that in their December Board of Mayor and Alderman meeting. The widening of Highway 31 is continuing to make progress in the planning stages, but the board has also made state legislators aware publicly of their expectations to see that project move quickly back in their December meeting. 
We wondered about the future of the police headquarters and the police library as well, and the answer was Spring Hills Police Department will have a new home soon. The library is taking a back seat currently, but Mayor Jim Hageman said he hopes to begin soon on funding the library projects. It's my hope that we can get a new library into the budget, but we also have a new fire station that has to come online soon as well, he said. For 2023, the biggest questions that face the city are sewer capacity and those major capital projects. Recently, the crossings development raised many concerns of sewer capacity, but a potential solution was presented to the board for a reservoir system. While the city has been working diligently for nearly two years, the state has nixed every plan put before them. A previous a pr- previously approved pilot program has now been presented, and the city hopes it can begin the process of expanding the sewer capacity in 2023. With June Lake set to open, the city will have a secondary entrance for commuters into the city. The plan for opening the Northern Gateway is for traffic to begin flowing in late summer or early fall of this year. When that is exactly, only time will tell. Mount Pleasant Mayor Bill White said he believes a major step forward will be taken in 2023 in regard to the revitalization of the city's downtown area. Unfortunately, that also means the city will be tearing up much of its downtown infrastructure to do so. The city will be upgrading the sewer system through the middle of downtown, but will be able to also install underground utility lines and create more green space while doing so. We're not going to have drivers be able to circle around anymore. That's all going to be green space, he said. When the downtown part of the sewer project begins, the other utility projects will coincide with them in an attempt to minimize the length of time downtown roads will be under construction. We're going to have to tear up Main Street, he said. We don't want this to take two or three phases because the unfortunate part of this is we are probably going to shut down some of our businesses for a period of time because it will be nearly impossible to get to them. So we need to do it once and all at the same time, he said. At the county level, newly elected mayor, county mayor Sheila Butt says finding a way to implement an impact fee on developers at the county level is priority one for her. Counties need to be treated just like cities in addressing growth and development with the ability to have growth pay for itself rather than the continuing to raise taxes on the property owners who have lived in the county for many years, she said. We need expanded services and infrastructure for the growing population, and that population needs to be making those investments through the developers when coming to Murray County, she said. City Mayor Mulder said he was expecting to support the county in that endeavor as well, as he believes it is a major factor in dealing with growth, specifically in the school system. We need to make sure our school system is getting the support it needs and they have the right leadership in place to accomplish the goal of making our school system the best it can be, he said. We know that our education system will drive the quality of our growth in a lot of ways. Last year, the county was focused on efficiency, and in 2022, the commission was able to fund the future judicial center at the former Daily Herald location for $30 million in funds from the American Rescue Plan Act. Former chairperson Don Morrow was hopeful the commission would find a way to expand the county tag office to an annex, but the plan was shut down in the budget committee in June after public backlash due to the proposed building. Public backlash, along with the obscure Jackson law, was able to keep a landfill from locating in the county. But Mayor Butt says waste could soon be a problem in the county, and the commission must find a way to address the potential future issues now. In the next few years, waste management will become an issue with landfills closing and high transportation costs. We can't keep kicking that can down the road with no plan established, she said. Will Murray County need to take care of its own waste only, or will we work with several nearby counties? 
We need to come up with a plan and work it. Everyone wants good waste management, but not in their county. Every county will be paying dearly to get someone else to take their waste or find a more local solution, she said. In 2022, the county school system underwent a major change within leadership with the departure of Michael Hickman. Fortunately, Lisa Ventura was able to step into the role first on an interim basis before being offered the position permanently and provide stability within the system. There was an answer for one of the two of the biggest questions the school system faced in 2022, but another remains unanswered. Regarding the new high school in Spring Hill, the bid was awarded for construction of the building and was eventually given the name Battle Creek High School. The plan is for students to begin attending the school in the fall of 2024. Still unanswered from 2022 and earlier is the future of the McDowell Elementary property, which sits in the downtown district of Columbia. Due to structural issues and the inability to secure the property, the building was demolished in 2022, but the future use of the land remains a question. Murray County owns three acres of land nearby the property, which would give them a total of 10 acres in downtown Columbia. That seven acres is going to be vital to the growth of this county somewhere down the road. To have that land plus the three we have down the hill, Morrow said, it takes the county 10 acres to grow and expand somewhere down the road, he said. Talks about use of the property include a park, a museum, a senior citizen center, and more. Murray County Commissioners recently took further steps to protect the Duck River from potential future development that could harm the land at a special called meeting before Christmas, passing a zoning resolution that would halt commercial and residential developers from building within a 1,000-foot reach of the river was met with some resistance, but not enough to keep the resolution from passing 16-5 to with 21 commissioners in attendance. The vote sealed the deal for setting up additional protections instead of sending the resolution back to the Planning Commission like some proposed. But specific distances on setbacks from the waterway caused some confusion for some commissioners and will continue to receive further analysis, elected leaders say. Many commissioners in attendance emphasized that a year or more delay could result if, pro if protections were not put in place immediately. Plowing through an hour of discussion so commissioners could sort through scant details about why leaders consider the protections necessary still left plenty of questions. But ultimately, commissioners found that the bottom line was approving additional protections so developers cannot disturb ground contaminants near the old Monsanto property within close proximity to the river, risking pollutants entering the waterway. Last fall, the county adopted the Jackson Law, which requires developers to bring any development proposals near the river to the city and county for review. But at the time, county leaders stressed the need for closing further loopholes that developers could use to get around the law. Concern about protecting the river came last fall when Trinity Business Group sought approval for a state permit to build a landfill operation near the Duck River. The Baton Rouge-based group proposed a tire incinerator operation at the old Monsanto chemical plant site within close proximity to the river, which swiftly met local opposition. Murray County Attorney Daniel Murphy said that Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation would still be able to approve certain types of development on sites near the Duck River. Trinity Business Group was reportedly in the process of hiring lobbyists to continue pressing their presence at the old Monsanto site and looking for loopholes to the law, according to county officials. Certain state statutes, such as permit by rule, created loopholes that allowed the group to make plans for the tire recycling facility nearly flying under the radar, local environmental activists such as Columbia resident Gail Moore previously stated. 
Murray County Commission Chairman Eric Previtti said passing the resolution was the wisest thing to protect the river going forward. Time was of the essence, and we needed to get something done, Previtti said. Commissioner Jerry Bridenbaugh inquired about whether the 1,000-foot stipulation was necessary over a 500-foot stipulation, and if there was proper data analysis to reach the conclusion about how far away from the river a developer must be to build. Commissioner Gwyn Evans, who has also long served on the Planning Commission, said the research is usually ongoing to determine the distance. Other commissioners agreed that more details were needed, but that it should not stop them from being able to have the extra zoning protections in effect now. County Mayor Sheila Butt weighed in, saying that every minute delayed in adding additional provisions could leave the door open to further grandfather clauses for TDEC to approve permits on the land. I can't see kicking this down the road, Commissioner Danny Grooms said. Next step for the Duck River in the new year will be to seek scenic river status at the state legislature, which could further secure the river's protected status, according to officials. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mr. Billy Wayne Ray, 75, retired conductor for CSX Railroad, died Monday at his residence. Funeral services for Mr. Ray will be conducted on Thursday at 2 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in McLean Cemetery. The family will visit with friends on Wednesday from 4 p.m. until 7 p.m. Mr. Donald Paul Alderson, Jr., 78, retired employee of Department of Transportation and Columbia Rubber and Gasket, died Sunday, January 1st at Murray Regional Medical Center. A graveside service for Mr. Alderson will be conducted on Friday at 1 p.m. at Neapolis Cemetery. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why the way you feel has always been so important to Susie and Tony Sowell. When people come here, I hope they feel like they're working with a person who's just like family. And by the time they leave here, I hope they feel like they're a part of our family. What I like most is when a family is leaving, they can say thanks. You made something we thought would be hard, easier than we thought it would be. Not that we made it easy, we made it easier. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have sunny skies today with a high of 54 degrees. Winds will be out of the west-southwest at 10 to 20 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect clear skies with lows down around 31. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance... 
Our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see shelter agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Chris Dowdy from Tennessee Children's Home. We are overwhelmed by the support through our move to our new Spring Hill campus. We are excited about the new opportunities that these buildings will provide us to serve at-risk youth. We ask that you will continue to pray for us and those that we serve. We still need your continued support. Visit our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, to make a donation or learn more about what we're doing to serve at-risk youth in Tennessee. great things here in Tennessee, but there's one thing we've got to fix now. Tennessee leads the nation in gun thefts, and too often, criminals use stolen guns in violent crimes. I'm TBI Director David Roush. Help us prevent gun thefts. When you're not carrying, secure your guns, not only at home, but also in your car. Secure it. Lock it. Help stop it. Take the extra step. Together, we can keep Tennessee safe. Brought to you by the TBI, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Funded under an agreement with the State of Tennessee Department of Finance and Administration Office of Criminal Justice Programs. Supported by Award 2020 MUBX0051. Awarded by the Bureau of Justice Assistance, Office of Justice Programs, USDOJ. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. 
I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. The Tennessee Department of Health is encouraging all Tennesseans who have not had their annual flu vaccine to get immunized as soon as possible to protect themselves and prevent the spread of flu to others. The elderly, people with chronic medical conditions, pregnant women, and young children are all at risk of severe complications if they get the flu, said Tennessee Department of Health Commissioner Dr. Morgan McDonald. We expect more Tennesseans in their doctor's office as influenza activity continues to be high nationally and in our state. I encourage those who have put off getting a vaccine to not wait any longer. So far this flu season, the CDC estimates there have been 13 million illnesses, 120,000 hospitalizations, and 7,300 deaths in the U.S. from influenza. What can you do? Well, get the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine is free and safe, and more than likely a flu vaccine location is close to you. You can find one at www.tn.gov forward slash health forward slash fight flu. Select a find a flu shot near you icon. Everyone six months and older can get a flu vaccine. It's very important for healthcare workers and those who live or care for people at high risk from flu complications to get vaccinated. You can take steps to prevent the spread, avoid close contact with those who are sick. If you are sick, limit contact with others as much as possible. Wash your hands often with soap and water and cover your nose and mouth with a tissue when you cough or sneeze. And take flu antivirals if prescribed. If you are sick with the flu, your doctor may prescribe flu antiviral drugs as treatment. Flu antivirals can make flu illness milder and shorten the time someone is sick. Flu antivirals are not available over the counter and should be taken only at the instruction of and by as prescribed by a physician or healthcare provider. Flu symptoms can range from mild to severe and include muscle aches, fever, fatigue, sore throat, cough, headaches, and stuffy or runny noses. The personal finance website WalletHub released its 2023 Best College and University Rankings Report, listing the best colleges in Tennessee. WalletHub compared over 900 higher education institutions in the U.S. based on 30 key measures grouped into seven categories, such as student selectivity, cost and financing, and career outcomes. The data set ranges from student-faculty ratio to graduation rate to post-attendance median salary. The top 10 universities in Tennessee and number 10, Freed Hardeman University, and number nine, Maryville College, and number eight, MTSU, number seven, University of Tennessee, number six, Lipscomb University, and number five, Tennessee Wesleyan, and number four, the University of the South, number three, Union University, two, Rhodes College, and the number one university in Tennessee, according to this ranking, Vanderbilt. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee today, and now our final story. In spite of having their grand opening two weeks before COVID-19 hit, the factory at Columbia has survived and thrived because of its sophisticated but funky vibe. The 71,000-square-foot former factory now houses a collection of locally-owned businesses, craftspeople, a chiropractor, and a yoga studio. Owner Daryl Lynn bought the space originally as a warehouse for his imported European antiques business, but he received so many calls from people wanting to rent space that he decided to turn it into a hip little mall filled with antiques, uncommon restaurants, and other small businesses that make up a one-of-a-kind shopping experience. The building was built in 1951 and became the Publix, not to be confused with the grocery store chain, Shirt Factory in 1958. And then when the Shirt Factory went out of business in the 1980s, it became a cardboard manufacturing facility before being vacant for a number of years before Lynn bought it. He has chosen his tenants carefully, wishing to develop an eclectic maker's market feeling, which has done very well. The building has a cool vibe and has become one of the hangouts for many of the transplants in the area from California, New York, and Chicago. You're going to find stores like Vintique.com and Fork of the South, a southern-inspired general store, Leatherbooks.com, Mountain Ash Home, Poyama Studio Gallery, Southern Polished, Wear It Well Consignment, and lots of food places like Bee's Good Delicious Coffee, Bee's Salty and Sweet, Local Lemon, Nashville Tea Company, Circle and Stars Pizza, and Asylum Tacos and Cantina. You'll find the factory at 101 North James Campbell Boulevard. Find more at www.factoryatcolumbia.com. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRN Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest.